Welcome into this week's edition of Please Bear With Me. Coming up, recap of UTSA, looking ahead to Rice, an interview with Mike Perry, and so much more. This is Please Bear With Me. Welcome into this week's edition of Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, Scotty Swingler. I'm here with my producer, Martin Thomas, and we would like to apologize for being two weeks between episodes here. We had a little technical difficulties last week, didn't we, buddy? It is my fault. It is his fault. I'm glad he's owning it. We'll leave it at that. I won't drag it out. I won't uh, crucify him as his words were before <laughs> we started recording this evening. So, hey, we're glad we're glad you're here with us this week on Please Bear With Me. We're going to do a quick recap of UTSA. I know we're almost a week and a half fully past that game at this point, or even at the point of recording this. I don't know when we'll get it edited and published, hopefully in the next couple of days. <laughs> hopefully in a timely manner. Hopefully you're listening to this <laughs> Not after the Rice game, but uh, yeah, so we'll recap the UTSA game real quick. We'll look ahead to Rice, and then we'll have an interview with former Rice running back Mike Perry. Uh, Mike and I are actually broadcasting together this fall for the El Campo Rice Birds. Mike serves as the color analyst, and I am taking stats during the games and kind of serving as a second analyst, and it's been a lot of fun and found out he played at Rice, and we definitely wanted to talk before this Baylor-Rice game, and so we're going to have that conversation for you. Also, published as a separate episode is an hour-long, long-form interview conversation with Blake Blackmar. Blackmar, as you know, just left the team after this past season, was one of the critical leaders for the past two seasons under Matt Rule. Started, I want to say, like 34, 35 games in a row in his Baylor career. He is now a member of the Chicago Bears organization, and he and I got on the phone and talked for about an hour the other night, and we talked about everything. I mean, the guy did not leave anything on the table, talked about Bryles, talked about Rule, talked about Jim Grobe, talked about the transition between those three, talked about tensions in the locker room, talked about when he realized that he needed to step his own game up and become a leader in that fractured locker room. And so I would highly encourage you, uh, if you haven't listened to it already, to please go listen to that interview with Blake Blackmar. It's really, really solid stuff. So I'd like to recap the game against UTSA. And again, I know it's been a minute since we watched that game, but I'd like to recap it by doing this. I wrote an article for Bears Illustrated about the five things that I wanted to see Baylor do against UTSA in order to better advance towards Big 12 play. Because basically, the way I see it, all three of these non-conference games are easy to win, should basically be glorified scrimmages leading up to Iowa State as the first Big 12 matchup. And so I really wanted to see Baylor step up a notch from SFA to UTSA in five areas in particular. And disclaimer, they did all of them. That game against UTSA was just about as good as you could have asked Baylor to play 
in week two. I mean, unbelievable performance all around offense, defense, special teams, all three phases we saw excellence. And so let me talk about these five areas that I said we needed to uh, improve against UTSA and that we certainly did. First of all, offensive line improvement. I was disappointed with the way the offensive line played against SFA. Jermichael Hasty only averaging 2.5 yards a carry. Charlie Brewer under constant duress against defensive linemen who they're playing at SFA. Those kids work hard, love them, not rooting against them. They should not be getting past Baylor's offensive line under any circumstance. I think the fact that Baylor's offensive line, it was all like either new pieces or guys that have moved positions, right? Through Morgan playing center, Tecklenburg at a guard. You have guys really shuffling around that first game against SFA. I think what you saw was just not knowing what to do as a unit. And you definitely saw them come together better against UTSA in all phases, big runs, Plenty of time to throw the ball. I thought the offensive line played outstanding against SFA, and we want to continue to see them improve this week against Rice. The second thing I wanted to see Baylor do against UTSA was react quicker in coverage because while uh, Stephen F. Austin's quarterback, Trey Self, missed on a lot of throws, that is what allowed his numbers to be so dismal. I actually thought our secondary left several guys open and Self just missed them. I thought he had plenty of opportunity to complete passes that he didn't. And so I wanted to see the secondary, whether they just weren't in position quick enough or whether they were reacting too slow to the play, I wanted to see improvement there. And they certainly improved there. UTSA quarterback Joe Harris had nowhere to throw the ball. I mean, I know that we put a lot of pressure on him as well, and we're going to talk about that in a second too, but he really had nowhere to go with the ball. The secondary played outstanding. Number three, I wanted to see Charlie Brewer be let loose a little bit. I wanted, I felt like against SFA, the game plan was very vanilla. It was very catch and throw type plays where Charlie's taking the snap and doesn't really even have a read. He's just looking for a quick slant or a curl route. He didn't have a lot to do in that SFA game. He did have more to do against UTSA. He had a couple of uh, plays where he scrambled around and ran a little bit. He made a couple of more difficult throws and he still didn't play his best game. And I still think um, he is going to get better as the season progresses. And obviously only playing the first half and and leaving as a precautionary thing with his foot feeling funny uh, didn't help his statistics, but he is definitely going to keep growing and he definitely looks better and more comfortable against UTSA. Number four, I wanted to see Baylor show more creativity in blitz schemes. I was disappointed with how few times we actually were able to get to SFA's quarterback. And granted, he was a tough player and, and made some really impressive plays uh, just to keep his head up and get away from pressure. But I wanted to see us get after him, uh, the quarterback a little bit more, especially against a quarterback like Joe Harris, who's a threat with his legs. And we did it. Outstanding job getting to Harris, not letting him get anywhere collapsing the pocket, sending multiple different guys after him. I thought we were outstanding, both from a game plan perspective and from a play perspective. And number five, and this is the one that that we definitely saw the most, dude. We saw Denzel Mims. I wanted to see more Denzel Mims. Basically, here's my theory, Martin. In high school football, if you have one transcendent talent, one generational athlete at your high school, no matter what level, You get them the ball however possible. I went to China Spring, and for us, that was Mike Hicks. Mike played safety for Baylor, most will remember. 
Mike Hicks was not only our starting safety, he was our only kick returner, our only punt returner. He is still to this day a top five all-time leading receiver in Texas high school football history. And his junior and senior year, we lined him up at tailback half the time and pitched him the ball and let him run. That's just what you do. You give your best athlete the ball in any way. In college, sometimes you'll have four or five of those guys who are just freak athletes, but you can still have one that every time they step on the field, you know they're the most dynamic guy on the field. I think Robert Griffin was one of those. I think Josh Gordon was one of those. I think the last player Baylor really had that was like that was Corey Coleman. Every time Corey Coleman touches the field, you know he is the most dynamic athlete on the field, and anytime he touches the ball, he can score. Lake Seastrunk was one of those. Absolutely. Denzel Mims is one of those. I think Denzel Mims this year is the guy. I think he is a freak. I think his height and speed and strength and the, and the way he blocks downfield and all of it, he is a dynamic playmaker. And I was disappointed with how few targets he had. I think we targeted him five or six times against SFA. I felt like that was too few. Of course, against UTSA, he has three touchdowns <laughs> and we got him the ball and we made a point on the first drive to target him. And that's what we need to see all season. Denzel Mims is the kind of guy that can win against just about any coverage. You just have to plan to get him the ball. And I want him getting nine or 10 touches a game when we get to Big 12 play. And I was really happy to see that that happened against UTSA. So all in all, I think when we look at the game against UTSA, we see that Baylor performed excellently in all three phases. I literally have no complaints, offensively, defensively, special teams. I did want to give a shout out to Gary Bohannon. That guy, I am not convinced, much to the ridicule of some of my friends, I am not convinced that he is the quarterback of the future. And I, I know that's weird picking on the guys, a redshirt freshman who just had an outstanding performance against UTSA. I, I'm, I'm not convinced Jacob Zeno, who has the more proven arm talent, is not going to beat him out in a couple of years when Charlie graduates. But I'm confident that Gary Bohannon, in an emergency, can run the offense, can move the ball, and he is no doubt a dynamic player and an athlete with his legs. I, I'd like to see him throw a few more times. But the guy is is outstanding. Absolutely. He was a ton of fun to watch him move around. I don't know that he made some of the best throws, but he was a lot of fun to watch him when he was running with the ball. Yeah, I mean, that run, that first run that he should have scored on him, he pulled a simultaneous Robert Griffin and Rice Petty there. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, when he got hit and spun off of it, I mean, and that's something... I think that's different from our previous running quarterbacks because if you think about it, Bryce Petty was not really a runner. You know, uh, Griffin, obviously dynamic, one of the fastest players to ever play football, period. No exaggeration. You know, Olympic-level track athlete before playing football at Baylor. And then you had Nick Florence, who was a sneaky good athlete and was not a dynamic runner with the football but could pick up five or six yards easily, you know, in a pinch. And, and was mostly just tough. He, Sam Ellinger, the way Ellinger runs for Texas, yeah. reminds me a lot of, of Nick Florence. Ellinger's a little better than Nick Florence. I'm not trying to say Nick, but it, same kind of mentality. Seth Russell, almost as dynamic as Robert Griffin. I don't think from a pure speed perspective he was Robert Griffin, but in terms of like cutting and he could just tuck the ball and be gone, Seth Russell, especially pre-injury, was just as dynamic just about with the ball in his hands and running as Griffin. And then Brewer obviously is 
kind of a combo somewhere between Russell and and Florence, where he's not. I don't think Charlie Brewer is that fast, and I don't think he's that dynamic. But for whatever reason, when he gets just a sliver of space, he's gone. I mean, he he's sneaky quick. I don't, I don't know what it is. He's got good awareness for when's the time to move. That's definitely true. It's definitely partly IQ, obviously like Florence, toughness, and he's not afraid to take a hit. Of course, that got Seth Russell in trouble. I don't know what it is, but all that to say, none of those guys could do what Bohannon did the other day where he spun off of a guy who popped him in the face. I mean, Bohannon is strong. <laughs> that guy is country strong. He's Arkansas, small town Arkansas strong and can maul people. And so that's fun. I mean, that's different. I'm not convinced that if he doesn't win the quarterback job in a couple of years, I'm not convinced he won't move to like a running back or a tight end. I won't belabor the UTSA game. We're, we're way past it. But I just I did want to recap it since we missed our episode last week. All right, I'm sitting here across the table from former Rice running back Michael Perry. How you doing today? Good, you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us on Please Bear With Me. Just wanted to talk to Mike about his career and, and playing for Rice, playing against Baylor, I'm sure quite a bit. And so why don't you just start off by introducing my listeners to who you are and when you played and, and kind of your story playing football for Rice. I came to Rice 95 to 98 seasons. I played uh, running back and uh, special teams returners, punt return, kickoff return. During that course of the time, I think I wound up being number two all-time rusher behind Trevor Cobb. But I had, uh, you know, yards per carry. I was the leader in that. So that's pretty much it. Actually, I started as a DB there, like oh, two really? or three games. Yeah, a lot of people don't remember that. I, I mean, when I was being recruited, I was first started off as a uh, cornerback. I think about three games in, they switched me to a running back. But I came out of, you know, El Campo or high school as a, you know, first-team All-State running back. So, you know, they probably had it in the in the back of their mind, that's where I was going to end up. It's funny, I'm on sportsreference.com looking at your stats, and they don't even have defensive stats as an option for you. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, we played LSU, I was there, and uh, I didn't I didn't get any tackles. I didn't get much run that time. I was just punt returning. And then it was, uh, well, Tulane was the first game, and that was my very first college game. The first play of the game, Sean King was the quarterback. Warwick Franklin was starting left corner in front of me. First play of the game, pick six. Okay, we score. That's Warwick, the good guy in front of him. I'm like, God dang, okay. Next time, they throw it to this to the other sideline or towards the sideline. He catches it, gets two feet in. I said, I'm never gonna see the field. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so three game after three games, they said, Hey, Mike, you're on offense. Okay, thank you. I'm ready to get on the field. Starting against UT. It was yeah, cool. and you had a just judging from the numbers, a really successful career, like you said, in terms of rushing the ball. Your junior year on here is probably the notable one with uh, 1,034 yards, 6.4 yards of carry, 10 touchdowns. So you, you just you just told me about your success in 1997. Tell me more about that and any stories or, or things that are relevant pertaining to your junior season there. Well, um, you know, during the season, you're in your – pretty much a creature of habit. I do this, I do this, I'm supposed to be here, and I'm going, you know, crazy time, so I got class at this time, boom, I do this, take a nap, go to practice or something like that. And um, during that season, we was having success, and uh, I don't know, we are about 
I don't know, eight or nine games in to the season. And one of the students like, Mike, congratulations. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? He said, man, you're, uh, you're leading the nation in all purpose. You've been doing it for the past seven weeks. You didn't know? I'm like, no, man. I'm just out there <laughs> playing and, and putting work in. You know, that's, that's, that's what you do. So then, you know, of course, I go look at it. I'm like, wow, look at that, man. So I was in front of uh, Randy Moss, Oz Akeem, and all those type guys or whatever. And um, I think the second to the last game, we was over there in Utah, you know, because we're in the Mountain West. It's cold, snow's on the side and all that other stuff. And uh, they got some kind of turf. It was it was it was real iffy or whatever. But either way, we're running the triple option. I'm coming out to the right side. I'm running, running, running. I got him over pursuing. Put my cleats. Got the longest cleat screw ins that you can have in my in, on. And I'm sliding at a diagonal, which is like one, two, three yards on the field. I can't stop. And the safety comes and hems me up on my like right below my knee. Twists me all up. On the sideline, their sideline, cold, wet ground, <laughs> and wind up getting a high ankle sprain. That last, I missed the last game against UTEP, and I dropped to like number four or five. I don't know. I was disgusted because I was like, "Dang, man, whatever." But, and I probably should have came out either way, and I didn't come out that year, and, and you know, came back the next year. But um, we were we were definitely having some success that year with the wishbone. Very impressive. What was it like playing football? at a school like Rice that's known so much for academic success and not known as much historically for football success. What's it like playing uh, at a school like that? Well, I mean, I don't have anything to reference it against. It was awesome, if you ask me. Um, the guys, like, you know, we had some guys that, you know, went to the league or whatever, and you go hang out with them, and a whole bunch of them, we're still friends today. And it's like, man, we wish it was just, you know, had such a – relationship as you you guys do you know they're up there and you know they may have one or two people we have like you know 10 guys or whatever and still today we go to each other's house and hang out you know barbecue and all that other type stuff so that's probably the difference that I've heard from you know other guys that played at other schools just in terms of closeness and, and lifelong relationships correct, correct. Yeah. that's awesome well and what's it like and correct me if I'm wrong because you played in the mid late 90s you know, when you started at Rice, I was three years old. So my my <laughs> wow. frame of reference, my frame of reference. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make. You, <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> uh, my frame, my frame of reference is r more recent. You know, I imagine even then you go into a lot of games as an underdog, and and probably with somewhat of a chip on your shoulder, trying to prove yourself. Well, we were the smallest Division One school, you know, in terms of. Um, attendance and that's you know by choice because rice you know a lot of people right. want to go there or whatnot I, I mean we were competitive I mean the year before I got there in 94 they won the Southwest Conference it was a, a, a tie I think about six-way tie whatever but every week um, you know we were in the game if not winning yeah. it they, I mean, actually 94 it was 25 years ago cause they just celebrated this before the UT game that the uh, rice beat UT and then the next year they squeaked by us by a little bit. Then we played them in 97 in Rice, and it was a, like two calls that got us that cost us the game. So it was like – it was, and then, you know, when we're playing Baylor, it's the same thing. Week in and week out, you're playing guys that you know it was fun. And, you know, after that 95 season, we went to the WAC, and that was crazy. I mean, you're playing on the West Coast. You play a game in the evening. You're not getting back to 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and then you got to make it to see the trainer the next morning. It was just tiring, but, you know, it was fun. Yeah. Now, by 97, 98, Baylor's decline had really taken form in terms of late 90s and, and up till Art Bryles was hired in the late, latter uh, 2000s there. Baylor was one of the worst programs in the country. What was it like playing against Baylor or playing in Waco? Any, any 
memorable stories or moments that that Baylor fans listening might appreciate? <laughs> well, I mean, I actually broke it down between Rice and Baylor as my last, my final two schools. Mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna leave Texas, so there's no reason to leave Texas. You know, growing up, I'm like, Man, I want to go to Michigan. And by the time I got to high school and realized it's cold up there, there's <laughs> 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 no need to go up there. Let me stay in Texas. It's great football here and whatnot. So I broke it down. I was gonna play baseball and football there or at Rice, and uh, wound up choosing Rice. But to play Baylor, um, you know, they, I mean, some of the notable names, I guess Gerard Douglas was the running back, and uh, gosh, those D linemen, that's what I remember the most because they were like some giants, like six, seven, you know, 300 plus pounds. And I remember running through there, you know, usually on the football field, I don't care size. I can't, I don't, I don't see the size. I just see, you know, boom, boom, boom. This is where I'm supposed to go. But I got tackled, you know, running in the middle somewhere off in there short game and we're getting up and I'm up and these guys are still going. I'm like, God dang, <laughs> some big old dudes. And just, and just for comparison's sake, <laughs> how, how big were you in, in college? Five, nine and uh, like 200 pounds. I had to get to 200 pounds. So when I'm hitting a linebacker, I can stop them. I mean, and you know, hold them there before I got to 200, like 197, I'm saying three pounds made a difference at 197. I'd go in there and stick them and then they can push me back. I got to 200. You're not going anywhere now. There you go. That was crazy. Man. But yeah, three pounds made a difference. Yeah. Well, and I, I there was a guy from my high school, uh, Mike Hicks, who played safety at Baylor while I was at Baylor. He could not get above one, I want to say like 175 in high school. He's 5'11", 175. Mm-hmm. They told him he had to get up to 190. Yeah. And it did make – I mean, you could it tell even in his – just And that was 15 pounds, a lot more than three. But, yeah, every little bit counts. And I, and I can – you know, so that my freshman year – we're in the Southwest Conference or whatever. I get moved over. We play UT. I break a record, you know, freshman rushing and all the total, total pur- all-purpose yards or whatever. And then we're playing TCU in, um, in Houston. And, you know, I make a catch and I'm running down the sideline, boom, boom, boom. I get kind of caught in. and I'm not going out of bounds. So I come back and the linebacker just catch me and he picks me up and slams me, which would be a penalty today. But I was like, God, dang, how did he just pick me up like that, you know? <laughs> but – Coming out of high school, I was like 178. I got up to 186 before the season because I was trying to pick, you know, gain weight. And I think I was about 194 at that point. But the dude, he just picked me up. And then I come to the coach, uh, my running back coach, Larry Brinson, you know, former Cowboy. He's like, you got to get more lead in your pencil. I was like, what? Oh, okay, gain weight. Yeah. So, but it was just, you know, opening your eyes, man. Got to get know, more lead in your pencil. Yeah, it's dudes, you know, they grown men out here, you know. I love that. I love that. You played for Coach Hatfield. Correct. And he's known, I know this, he's known for being a big triple option guy, old school football, ground and pound it. You and I work on Friday nights together covering El Campo High School football, which definitely not a triple option type system, but still ground and pound. You're throwing the ball four times a game and it's it's an air raid day, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. handing it off, pounding it up the middle. That style of football has largely been abandoned in the college game in favor of the spread or the air raid, you know, throwing the ball downfield. There's still a lot of running out of the air raid, a lot of running. Art Bryle's system was actually predicated on the run, even though it was a very much a spread system. What do you think as a former running back who played in one of those run-heavy ground-and-pound systems about the state of the game, you know, as we see it and – does it bother you that more teams aren't still doing that way? I mean, what would you say about the state of football right now going to all this spread offensive look? Well, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to balance itself out. And when it all comes down to it, 
you got to have to run the ball, you know. And the, the teams that are doing well, they got some guys that can run the ball. Only team I think in college that I see, though, you may see, is Georgia Tech. They were still doing some of the triple option stuff. But for the most part – And I part, think they just abandoned it this year. So they still see there. I think Army, is, Army and Navy are kind of the notable ones. Right, right. Yeah. And, and when you're in a broken bone, it's actually doubles. So you're in a, a good passing um, formation. It's just if you're going to throw the ball or not. And – a balanced office is doing what you want to do. So right now they want to pass, they're going to throw it. If they want to run it, they'll run it. So sometimes it's the defense uh, dictating what's going to happen. How closely are you still keeping up with the program? With Rice? Yeah. Oh, man, they're losing, and so I don't. I get mad. <laughs> Look, I just came from College Station. We was up there, and we was in Roadhouse eating. It was about, what, five or six? It was five of us. And I was facing toward a TV that was on Longhorn Network. And Longhorn Network was showing um, Herman's, I guess, his, they're breaking down the game or whatever. And they were sitting there showing the same plays. And, of course, it was against Rice. I'm like, man, they need to change this TV, man. I'm just, <laughs> I'm getting irritated. I'm just getting irritated sitting there, you know, watching it. You know, it scored, what, 40-something, 43 to 13 or something like that. So it was, you know, I was already irritated with that. But then they just kept playing it over and over again. But, yeah, they'll, they'll come around. You know, got a new coach there. Um, from Stanford so he's yeah what do you what do you know I was going to ask you next actually what you know about him because I know coach rule in his press conference this week gave him nothing but high praise and and obviously you know a lot of coaches just say good things about opposing coaches to be nice but it really sounded this week like coach rule views Bloomgren as a really really um, you know a football coach that's got it together and knows what he's doing yeah I mean you can you can have it together um, but you got to still, you know, go out and recruit Texas, and everybody wants to recruit Texas. You know, you got c- people coming in, poaching the kids or whatever. And not only having, I mean, Baylor has this issue too. You can be a good football player, but you still have to get into school. So that's one of the issues that he'll be coming across. But you know, he was at Stanford, so he should be able to uh, get that program turned around over at Rice. If you were at Rice right now, what would you pitch to a high school athlete? in order to get them to come to Rice instead of, let's not say Texas, right, but let's say instead of a Baylor, instead of an Iowa State, you know, kind of that second-tier program, how would you pitch Rice to an athlete? Top-notch education. Uh, you're going to come here, and once you get out of here, you can be a boss, you know, and that's and let them come to the campus. The campus is beautiful. I mean, they got a whole bunch of new buildings and, you know, facilities are top-notch, you know. You're not going to get it any better. Well, I imagine you possibly get it some better but um, everything's top notch over there what's it like because I can't comprehend this growing up in Waco and then and then going to Baylor what's it like going to college in Houston Houston is a big city I had family there I actually have an uncle that lives in Waco Daffer Langs he's a he's a fireman over there okay but uh you, I mean, you're in the hedges. You're in school. So that's what we're doing for the most part. But then outside of school, you got TSU, U of H, and all the other colleges and things around there. So you're running into other people. And, and you know, Sam Houston's down the street and um, Prairie View and all that. So, I mean, we, we would be there in the hedges. Then we'd be out and about around Houston. Or you go going to some of the satellite locations because you got friends that are over there at those places as well. But in the middle of Houston – I mean, you're still at school. That's what the main priority is. Yeah. You got anything else you think's interesting or would Baylor fans would, would get fired up to hear? I had old Tyrone Smith. I think he, he played in the league. He lives in Katy now. And, oh, that's weird. So Tyrone, who was my recruit uh, host over there, he's uh, 
he's married to one of my, my, my first cousins, like good friends, or she may even be kin to her, I don't know, but on the other side of the family. But um, she's like, oh, Tyrone? I said, yeah, how you know him? Oh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's uh, money, they call him money. That's her husband. Oh, okay, and then, you know, run into him, so that was kind of strange, or which was cool. And then old Cyrus Edison, you know, he's from Bay City, and he was a cornerback there, you know, at that time when we was playing. So it's a small world, you know, guys just run into guys. and. And then old Derek Cash just made it back to El Campo, and yeah. he you know played safety over there yeah. with with Baylor. So they're all around the little bears. <laughs> We're all over, man. You can't get away. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Okay, so looking ahead to Rice, what do we expect? First of all, as of the recording of this episode, there is a ton of rain projected for the rest of this week into Saturday. And so weather may very well play a factor in the game Saturday. I don't think that's to Baylor's advantage or disadvantage. It's just something to note. I'm hopeful that uh, it will just be maybe showers, if anything, and and there's not some kind of weird delay. Um, That would be really frustrating right after a bye week too. But with that being said, weather aside, this has got to be a game you go out and win by 50 again. And I know Rice is better than UTSA, and Matt Rule has done nothing this week but praise Rice and their program and their athletes and their coaches. And I've got nothing against Rice. I, I think it's all good there, and they've done some good things. But they played Army really close this season already, and Army is a top 25 team this year, arguably. But – we need to go in their building and win by 50, especially coming off a of bye week. If you can't go have a dominant statement game one more time before Big 12 play, I'm not worried, but I'm scratching my head, especially as well as we played against the TSA. I'd be really surprised if we can't just go in there and maul the Owls. I mean, that would really, that would really shock me. And so uh, I think what I'd like to see is once again balance on offense between the run and the pass. I think we've done it really well. I want to see more Mims. I want to see more Brewer running around being himself. I'd love to see Bohan get a quarter at least because we go up big. That would be huge. But again, if it's raining, I mean, anything can happen. I do anticipate Baylor winning big. Martin, I think I'm going to take the Bears 49-17 against the Rice Owls. Oh, you don't you don't think Rice is going to come back and get it at all? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> I don't think so. And I know I just said we need to blow them out by 50. Uh, 50 is my just we just need to cruise. If it was right, if, if we win by that margin, I'll be pretty happy. I think 49-17 is a, a pretty good number. And I think that on that number, 49, I feel good about. I think 17 might be a bit high. I hope we can hold them under 17. Uh, the weather. If, if weather is a factor, could be a factor in that. Uh, well, the weather could also just keep it a low-scoring game, too. It could really go either way. And this is what's hard about being a fan and a podcast host. The fan in me thinks that we're going to play perfectly and there's going to be no mistakes. The podcast host in me is waiting for that defense to collapse and give up the colossal big play like we saw all season last year. And maybe we've just grown up past that. And and I know in the Big 12, we're going to give up big plays. I mean, when you play Oklahoma State or Oklahoma or Texas, like we're going to give up big plays. But I'm just waiting for it to happen in a frustrating moment. And so maybe that's why I'm giving Rice 17. Well, and you had said you know earlier this season, there's going to be a game that we're going to lose that we shouldn't. 
Yeah, and I don't think that's right. Right, but you know, you see moments of we should have had this and we don't, and those are the precursors to that game that you're talking about. That's true. Yeah, and it's on the road, and even listen, Rice is not known for being some terribly intimidating place to play. You and I are waiting to buy tickets until Friday or Saturday because we know they're going to be dirt cheap because nobody's going to be at that football. Right, that game's not going to sell out. Yeah. Anytime you go on the road, it's different. Your rhythms are different. You're not sleeping in the bed you're familiar with or the, or the, I think the team sleeps in a hotel in Waco on Friday nights, but still you're, that's familiar. That rhythm, those places, those moments are familiar. Anytime you go on the road, it's unfamiliar. It could throw you off a little bit. And so maybe that's the other reason I'm giving Rice 17. Is it bad? Like this game doesn't interest me that much. Well, I think part of the reason for that is I believe it was our junior year. We are playing Rice. And at one point, some fan was heckling the players and they turned back at us and said, we don't go to Rice to play football. That's so funny. I'm just, this game does not interest me. Like, it's Baylor. I'm going to go and I'm going to cheer and I'm going to be fired up just to watch the Bears take the field and see even more improvement and what has gotten even better since UTSA. But I'm ready for Big 12 play, man. And here's the thing. That's the other thing I wanted to mention on this episode. The Big 12 has looked good. Yes, they have. So far in this non-conference slate. I know Iowa State dropped tragically dropped that game against Iowa and Iowa state did not look good previously before that game either. And so maybe Iowa state is, is having a little bit of a rough year without guys like David Montgomery and Hakeem Butler, but the rest of the big 12, Kansas state. Yeah. Kansas state versus Mississippi state. That was a great game. Looks a lot better than I think people were giving, we're going to project them just without Bill Snyder. TCU, despite the fact that I've said they don't have a quarterback, they're going to come, come a step down. Hate I don't think they're a top 25 team like some, but they've looked good. I mean, they've handled their business. Oklahoma, once again, looks like they're going to go to the playoff unless they just the wheels come off. I mean, Jalen Hurts putting up absurd numbers. I mean, <laughs> if, if the season ended today and we've got a long way to go, he'd be the third Oklahoma quarterback Heisman winner in a row, which is absurd and awesome and ridiculous lincoln riley is a genius oklahoma state looks better than i think most people gave him credit for spencer sanders the freshman quarterback just playing great football i mean the big 12 it's a gauntlet i'm not here to make the argument that the big 12 is a better football conference than the sec i'm not even going to try to make the argument that it's a better conference than the big 10 although i probably could make that case fairly (laughs) easily but i'm not going to I'm not going to. I could, but I well, won't. Well, <laughs> I mean, th- there's there's an argument either way there. And I and I understand that. And they, I mean, the Big Ten has some outstanding programs every year that are so consistently good. And the Big 12 does as well. But the difference, I think, is the Big 12 from top to bottom is so consistent. Top to bottom. The only gimme game is Kansas. And Les Miles and Kansas made some noise this past weekend. And their start, I mean... It won't be but two years until Les Miles has Kansas. I'm not going to say Kansas is ever going to win the Big 12, but like they're going to be scrapping with people with Les Miles as their head coach for any any amount of time. Yes, but for now, they just have miles to go. <laughs> Dude, that was bad. You better insert some sound effect here. That's his That's his TV show. Is Well, it's called it, Miles to Go. That's awful. <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> Anyway, hey, man, we're going to wrap it right there. I appreciate you guys listening. Thanks so much to Martin and and to Mike Perry. 
And so all of you for listening and for hanging, for for bearing with us. Ah. I don't know how many, I've made that joke twice this season on Twitter already. I don't think I can keep doing it. But thank you for hanging with us. I think you can. I don't think I can. I think thank- you can do it in every episode. <laughs> no. Thanks for hanging with us through the technical difficulties and, and being around. And we love you. Make sure to listen to that interview with Blake Blackmar. This has been Please Bear With Me. Please Bear With Me is brought to you by Bears Illustrated over at Baylor 247. Thanks to my man Tim Watkins over there. Thanks to Martin Thomas for producing the podcast this season. I'm your host, Scotty Swingler. All the music you've heard today was from Iron Kids. Check them out at Iron Kids Music. See you next time.